Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of Five on the Floor Live. I am your host, Greg Sylvander. Tonight's floor plan with me, Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket, as well as Brady Hawk, who's skating in and out of here. You can follow him at Brady Hawk 305. We are going to talk about this pretty upsetting, anticlimactic end to the road trip. The Miami Heat lose to the Memphis shorthanded Memphis Grizzlies in Memphis. We're going to talk about what ailed them tonight. Um, and just, you know, kind of, it was an embarrassing effort on many, uh, fronts. And we're going to go through some of that before we do want to tell you about a great sponsor of the five reasons sports network and five on the floor live this post game show in particular. And that is a aggressive insurance. They are an insurance broker agency that's been servicing South Florida for over 15 years. They offer auto insurance, retirement programs, condo insurance, life insurance, free notary service to all clients. They represent all the leading insurance carriers in South Florida. If you have a bad driving record, no problem. No driver is refused. Free phone quotes. Call Lynette at A Aggressive Insurance, 954-589-8800, the insurance agency that works for you. Check her out at Insurance by Lynette. That's with two N's and two T's.com. Insurance by Lynette.com, A Aggressive Insurance. All right. So that sucked. We're going to just start by saying that. Um, I am not going to run from the fact that this is a game the Heat had, should have had, could have had. Um, they were the better team. The Grizzlies were shorthanded. There's no reason why they should have lost tonight. The points in the paint thing is really weird. We're going to have to talk about that for a minute. But ultimately, guess what, y'all? I'm not that really that phased by this because... They were feeling themselves, you know, they had just um, won, what was it, three or four or so, and they beat Boston in, uh, in you know, a pretty, you know, intense game up there with Jimmy coming back. This was a letdown spot. They had a team then that uh, in Memphis that, you know, had multiple guys sitting out. John Moran all of a sudden was doubtful. Then he was out. Uh, Desmond Bain has been out. Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, was out kind of managing his return to injury. So then you expected to win. And then they got out and they played well. And then you expected, even when they hung around, that the Heat could finish them off. And then they don't. Points in the paint. They give up the most points this season. 62, I think, was the last I heard. And while scoring the least uh, amount of points in the paint, 22 or so so that's you know a conundrum that the heat cannot uh get into in any game they will lose brady i'll start with you um am i on to something that this is just kind of one of those classic letdown games and ultimately as we look back it's not going to be um 
you know, something that was critical or do you see, did you see something else out there that I missed? Well, I think it's definitely a letdown game, but I'm not, I don't think they should just get off the hook for it because they're not in a spot this season where they can just have letdown games. Like they're Good at a point, point where it was trying to get over the hump. They're at a point where they're trying to get back to 500. They're at a point where they already had letdown games this season, this early in the season in their first 20, that now it's trying to build that back. That when you have an advantage, which they have not had all season, where they finally have their full roster intact, basically, like their main guys are there and they're playing a team that does not, you can't give these games up. Like you cannot lose the games that you actually are healthy. Uh, so I'll start there. In terms of the things that happen on the court, you hit on it. Like the, the points in the paint, that that is just an insane thing. Like to let a team, usually you lose games like this where it's like, okay, that team just shot insane from three. Like, they got a bunch of young guys out there. They're just going to just fire away like Memphis usually does, like, when they have those type of guys out there. That was not the case at all. Like, not only are you giving up that many points, which is kind of schematically, and I'll talk about the fact that we talked about after the Suns game, how they were forcing campaign into that far floater, and it kind of – it's an inefficient shot. That's a shot you want if you're Miami. What happened was Tyus Jones was hitting that floater because he has a floater intact. Like, that's his game. Uh, and that inefficient shot was just dropping for him. So that's the first aspect. And the fact that they weren't generating paint points, I thought we were heading in a direction early in this game where I thought we'd see it because Jimmy was clearly coasting. Like he walked into this game, and the way you know that is he walked into this game and said, I'm playing playmaker and I'm not even going to shoot the ball. Like when they went on their run and they looked good, I was saying it because he just kept getting the paint under the rib, kick out, Caleb Martin three, Caleb Martin three, Tyler Hero three. And it was like, okay. Jimmy doesn't want to shoot. And if they win the game off that, then that's totally fine. But then obviously there's no paint points being generated now because your two best players basically are (laughs) molded off of getting to the basket and getting paint points. So when they're both not playing well and you're not getting those shots, how are you generating anything from three and generating any of your shots for your role players? So I feel like a lot of these things we're talking about just bleeds into the next thing, but it really simply comes down to the fact your two best players were not good enough and your bench gave you absolutely nothing. Like that, when you, when you're talking about kind of simplifying it, that's what it comes down to because you have Deadman who we could say for another, right here, a comment just popped up about Deadman being a minus 17. Uh, we know what he is at this point. Haywood Heisman I thought was very good defensively in this game. So when you look at Struess and Gabe are supposed to be your offensive hubs off the bench and they're both absolutely off and not creating enough and they're not taking care of the ball and all this stuff just kind of just, Leads to a very bad formula. It was Tyler Hero, it was Caleb Martin, and everything kind of dropped off from there. Yeah, I mean, not only did the bench suck, because, I mean, and especially Gabe, Deadman. I mean, you get 11 points from these guys. It's just not enough. Um, Highsmith had his moments in the first half, I guess. But to your point, then also you have Jimmy, Bam, and Kyle that are also a little uneven. You know, the Heat going into tonight were 8-1 and one when they out-rebounded their opponents this season. They out-rebounded Memphis by four tonight and still ended up losing the game. So that just kind of shows you usually this is a game that Miami wins. And for some reason – something went awry. Um, I think it had a lot to do with effort. It had to do with that. That team just got rolling. Uh, Alex, this dude, uh, Kennedy Chandler, uh, file his name away as a player that I want to follow in the NBA, because I would like him to be on the heat at some point. He looks like a fun player to, to, uh, to watch play on a night to night basis. Also this Almada, Aldama, however you say. Aldama. 
Thank you. I knew you would know his name. Mispronounced future Heat legend Santi Aldama's name. All right. Yo, he looks like a Miami Heat player. They yeah, would just want to get him in better shape. Man. But he he sure does look like a Heat player. Um, what were your major takeaways from tonight? And specifically, I guess let's talk Bam out of bio for a moment because I feel like the comments in particular, I've seen a lot of Bam didn't show up tonight, Bam was bad. Bam didn't get his shots, although he was second uh, in the team in field goal attempts. He didn't shoot it well. What was your impression of Bam out of Bios game and just this game in general? Well, he had an off game. There's no doubt about it. Like, we knew that he wasn't going to be able to keep up 30 points a game over, you know, the way that he has over the last four games. Like, before, I mean, you see the growth, right? We talked about it over these past few podcasts, but we knew that you know, he's going to have games like this. And you already talked about the complacency with Jimmy. I thought that was the case kind of with Bam tonight, too. Like, I think there was too many times where uh, there were possessions that he didn't exactly take advantage of. He kind of settled for that floater that we haven't seen that much this season, right? He usually just gets to that fadeaway shot that he's gotten to. I think he he had a little bit of a tough time with Steven Adams tonight not to get to, uh, you know, uh, all Bam is a four on you guys because that's not really where I'm going with any of that. I just think, you know, it was a tough night for him. He you know, he does some of the other stuff that he's good at, of course. And so for his standard, I think he has a high baseline. And so it was a tough night. You know, when you don't have much from your bench, Jimmy, I think was a little bit, you know, kind of gave you a B minus type of game for his standard, right? Kyle did have a great, great game. You talk about Tyler and Caleb, like they did great. Uh, but I just think, you know, both teams were really bad in the half court, but the Heat were worse. And then you talk about like 40 points in the paint more for the Grizzlies how do you you can out rebound them but if you're getting outscored in the paint by 40 you know also not making a lot of threes the Grizzlies made fewer but like that's all the difference right there that the I was looking at the shots made the Grizzlies doubled them in both um shots at the rim and shots in the mid-range right from from field goals made in in those areas so it's just like that's a huge, huge gap, right? And even if you're out talenting these guys when they're missing Ja, Bain, and Jaron Jackson, you can't, you just can't let that happen. You're supposed to be elite at not allowing teams to get to the rim, right? Like you, uh, you pointed that out earlier, Leif, and that's something was that they've that, been- see. I jinxed it, y'all. I sent to our text feed today that the Heat were leading in points in the paint and defense. Uh, but this is what know. they do. They've been doing this for the past few seasons. Like, they're very good at not allowing teams to get to the paint, whether it's been in the drop or when they first started with Jimmy or whether it's been in the switch, whether it's been in the zone, they're going to most likely prioritize the paint on defense. You know, sometimes they're going to they're gonna have mistakes and slip-ups and give up cuts, but their, their defense is designed to not give up, you know, so many paint attempts now they're not the greatest at you know percentage once teams actually get there and that was kind of the issue tonight it was just too many of those mistakes especially when you know not even getting into the offensive stuff right so I just think there was too many things that went wrong uh all the turnovers I don't even know like my mind is a little bit scrambled just because they actually gave up this game it's just to me to me I don't this is one of the worst losses right like Brady said before they're not in the place to lose these types of games you have to take care of business and yes like you know they've got another uh, stretch with a couple of easy games coming up so that's good for them right to be able to uh, maybe take care of business over there but this type of game and yes the Grizzlies have one without job but without those three guys like there's absolutely no, no excuses you have your core no. four we were just talking about how important it is to want to see these guys out there 
and we know that they play up to competition. And in the same way, like yin and yang, they play down to competition. So it's just a classic night of that. I really thought they were just going to take care of business tonight uh, and finally get to 500. Uh, I don't know when that's going to happen now, maybe in like a week or something. It'll happen on this next home swing, but you're right. There's no excuse for this. And you know what? Off if you're the two seed right now, or you're the one seed or the three seed, whatever, one, two, three, and you're kind of coasting along the way that I think we all envision maybe the season would start out. And then you drop this game. You just kind of, it is what it is, but the heat, to your point, they're not in a position to do that. They can't, you know, Brady alluded to it initially at the, at the start of the show. Like they, they're they not in a spot where they can give up these games. They had to get this one. They didn't. To me, it's not the end of the world because I feel like uh, they're still rounding into form. And this was a game where they thought they were ahead of themselves and they were feeling themselves too much. <clears throat> but we'll find Wait, out, right? One quick thing. When they had that 19-point second quarter, did you think they were going to have another quarter where they scored fewer points than that I, for the rest of the game? I did not. I thought that they would come out really – you know, the third quarter I thought would be huge. And, um, the third quarter was fine, but then they only scored 16 in the fourth. Now, look, the Grizzlies didn't score a lot in the fourth. It was like 18 or 19. But you know what I mean? To have to go with a 19-point second quarter, which looked really bad, you know, <laughs> matches yeah. the numbers there, and then to follow it up with even fewer in the fourth quarter against this team, yes, on the road. But that's actually just unbelievable to me. Yeah, I took the under on this game on Better Edge. That is our official um, betting sponsor. And uh, and that definitely hit. Go to Better Edge. Use the code 5RSN. That is social. Uh, it's a social betting platform. So you're not against a book. You're up against other bettors right on the platform. So you can get really interesting lines the right kind of juice on those lines. So check out Better Edge. Use the code 5RSN to get $20 to start your bankroll. And then also want to shout out our daily fantasy sponsor. So this is daily fantasy and that's prize picks. Use the code five to get your initial deposit matched up to a hundred dollars. That's where you essentially are just choosing props, right? So it's your favorite players and your favorite sports. You mix and match them. You choose over and under on select statistics. And then uh, depending on how many you get right on the same card, you can win up to 10 times your money. They do lots of fun promos and free uh, cards where like you only need one passing yard from a superstar quarterback and you automatically get a pick right. So you're off to a good start there. They're great. Prize picks. Use the code 5 FIVE. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, so let's stop with, let's start, let's talk about the bench for a minute before, cause I kind of want to bury this game and just forget about it. Like if it were up to me, we may even stop the show right now, but I, I, I want to keep going with you guys. We want to take some comments and that kind of fun stuff. I did find this interesting that, um, this is another game where, the starters are playing essentially like leaning toward playoff minutes, not quite, but leaning toward you're seeing that really only eight guys were trusted. Um, and we, the question we've been asking Brady is would it be Haywood Highsmith or Duncan Robinson? And tonight Duncan got a DMP coach's decision. Um, and it, do you think that we can pretty much, uh, 
like sort out that this is the nine guys right here on this particular roster? Before until the deadline, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. For now, for now, of course. <laughs> for now, yes. Like I think Haywood Highsmith has been their most consistent bench player for over the last three games, at least. Like what he was doing in Boston, and then you carry it over and have this type of game. Just stats wise, he had three steals on a block, and there was just a lot of good things you saw defensively in this game. Where you're like, this guy needs to play because he can do this. But the only way that Haywood Highsmith really gets his love is if the guys next to him on the bench are doing their job offensively, because then we're having a total different discussion. So. Uh, the Max Struess conversation, it feels a little bit weird because I feel like they were overplaying him in this game. And then he just never really had an answer. And he was just kind of thrown out of whack. Like I said, there was just there was just weird mistakes on, on that backcourt in general. But Gabe Vince has been out of whack as well. Like he doesn't seem to have the, the control, I guess is the word, that he had in earlier times, like late in the season last year and early in the season this year. It's just a weird dynamic. It feels like these are guys that can go hot and cold. So we've seen cold stretches from a lot of these guys. And that's why I'm not going to overreact fully because we could talk about this. And then tomorrow night, Strews has five threes. And then we're having, you know, a totally different conversation. But in one game sample size and what we've seen recently, they're going to need more from their bench because that's something they've relied on heavily in past years. This is a different dynamic. We talked about it when we talked, uh, when we brought up Tyler Hero into the starting lineup. What are the major changes? Well, you're relying on the Gabe Vincent and Max Struces off the bench because you don't have Hero to lean on and just save your entire offense off the bench. Uh, lucky enough, they're staggering in different ways. Greg, I know you, you pointed this out on off the floor that they did a little bit differently where they, they kept Kyle and Jimmy on the floor instead of Tyler and Bam, and they kind of threw it off in a little bit of a different direction, which is ideally what you want because Kyle and Jimmy play really well together and Tyler and Bam play really well together. You want that to kind of go on, but it's more about what you're seeing, I guess, and the things they're running consistently for these other guys. I feel like, it's, I still come back to the fact, and that's why I asked you, is until the deadline. Because I'm still watching the fact the energy shifts when teams can do certain things against Deadman when he enters. Like, it, it really is that simple. Like, there's the one thing of him not adding anything offensively. Once every three or four games, he'll have a good offensive night where he gets put back. So he'll hit a three, and he gets the fans <laughs> into it. Like, that'll happen. But, but the then stuff that, tonight happens. <laughs> but then tonight happens. And then it's like the also the stuff that a, a Grizzlies team that is playing these type of guys, what they're doing to him on the defensive end, where it's like we've seen it in games before, and I brought it up on here, where like teams put him in the action over and over and over. Then you see the dynamic tonight where they weren't just putting him in the action. They went like a full spacious lineup, and they just said go isolation at him. And, and Brandon Clark's getting and ones, and he's getting to the basket. It's like, what do you really do from here? <laughs> like, like, I just don't really know because – it's not like they have another option. Like, yeah, you could say Nikola Jovic, but you're obviously going much smaller. Who's the other guy? Udonis Haslam? Like, they just don't really have options in this big man room, and I really keep coming back to that. Uh, and the last thing I mentioned, because I know you did want to bring up the bench, but I'll just throw in the facts. I'm talking about the big man room. Bam had a very weird offensive game, but I'll say the thing that, that stood out to me is the fact that they were sending two at him. Like, we haven't seen a lot of that. Like, mm-hmm. that's how good, good he's been on this recent, recent stretch. Like, he's been very good offensive player. Uh, they were just sending two of him in the mid post. And then now it changes everything. Like you saw Bam really out of sorts. Like I used that word earlier, but that's the reason he was out of sorts. Like he was not as comfortable. He couldn't turn into the normal face up because he had a second guy shading over. Like there was just so many different things, but that's the development here. Like if he could get to that point where it's like, he's being aggressive enough to, for teams to respect them, him just send the double. And then the next thing is that, when they send the double enough, can he beat it? Like, it's just a full-on development thing. We've had this discussion with Tyler, but if I'm being honest, I honest, there's probably more in the bag for Bam to do it quicker than Tyler because Tyler 
you know, has to put out more to, to beat it. Like, if that makes sense, like yeah. Bam has the ability to do it. It's just seeing it enough and reacting. So that was just an interesting, I guess, dynamic that we saw in this game after what he did in Boston. I think it's a good point because in the playoffs, like they say, you know, your first move is going to be gone. So what are you going to do after that? And to this point, like when they blitz Tyler and it looked a little weird against Atlanta in the playoffs, like Bam's going to eventually see that. And it's going to be like, it's a, it's a blessing that Bam is getting good enough to see two on the ball. But then it's like, where does he go from there? Um, Alex. So, as far as the bench goes with Struess and Gabe, and I saw Lynette's in the comments, she mentioned Gabe has had an, uh, a, a bad year. Or so I think is what she said. Um, and he had a good stretch recently, but I understand where his uneven plays. Maybe you wanted to see him be a little more steady. Max has had a few games recently where he has three points, four points, five points, six points. Like he can have some uh, clunkers along the way. From your perspective, um, how do the Heat, I guess, I don't want to go too long-term with you, but I'm interested to to see what your answer is today about retaining those guys. How do you go about evaluating that? And, and in, your per, in your opinion, who would you keep if you could only keep one, Gabe or Max? Oh, man, you're really putting me on the spot. Like, you're just doing an incredible job fitting in for Ethan on his night off. Uh I've always felt that they should do what they can to retain both, but that's also how I felt last season about PJ Tucker before I realized the hard cap implications and why they kind of passed up on giving him the three years. Obviously, this is a different situation. You're not paying a guy until he's 39 or 40 or whatever the, the situation was with PJ at the time. But I think because of the way that you develop uh, develop these guys um, and they kind of came from nowhere, I think people get scared and kind of get a little bit of PTSD from other times in the past. Um, you know, both in the recent and distant past where the Heat may have, quote unquote, overpaid for guys that they developed. And, you know, people say that they should try to trade them while their value is high. I just think they have to make a decision by the trade deadline. If you don't trade these guys, you have to do what you can to resign them. Like, I just think there's no letting them walk. Like, you have to, you can't sit on both sides of the fence. Now, I understand it will be a bad look to trade those guys. You know, if it's a part of another package or you're getting back other players, that's not what I'm advocating for. All I'm saying is they can't, you know, sit on the fence forever. They have to choose a side at one point. And I know it's tough, man, but uh, I would do what you, you know, what I could to, to keep the both of them. I think they're both pretty valuable to the rotation. I know Gabe has been a little bit more up and down recently, but I think kind of, kind of honestly with both of them, it's the, you know, that's the the reality of a lot of your points and a lot of your attempts coming from three. I just think like you're going to have off shooting nights and it just feels like maybe it's a little bit too simplified. But I think a lot of their attempts do come from there. And that's kind of where most of their offensive value is. And when those guys aren't hitting, it just is like, ah, you know, Gabe obviously does stuff defensively. Max has got him better defensively. They 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 can help contribute to wins. But in losses like this, it looks even worse. The things are magnified. And, you know, tonight they shot 43s compared to, let me see, about 40 shots between the rim and mid-range combined. So the the pie was all over the place, right? The shooting pie, however you want to call it, was all over the place. And about 30 of those 43s were non-corner threes. They were actually – they actually shot well on the corner ones and very, very, very poorly on non-corner. So they were just forced into a lot of – I wouldn't even want to say force because it feels like they settled more than anything. 
So it was they just did. like, and, and that's honestly a theme for the whole season as far as whether or not you feel their shot profile is good where it stands. Because I was kind of looking at these stats um, earlier, and like I have it written down here. The Heat are in the bottom five in percentage of points being fast break points, bottom seven in percentage of field goals being uh, twos, bottom 12 in percentage of points being points in the paint. And then they're in the top eight and top 13 of uh, percentage of field goal attempts being threes and in the mid-range. Yeah. So you know what I mean? Like See, they take a lot of like, shots. They don't take yeah, as many I was just going to say rim. the easy way out. <laughs> and a lot of their like twos are assisted. You know what I mean? Like they're always looking for the good passes, the the good play. And I commend them for that. But then it shows up when you look at these things. It's like, well, outside of Jimmy and Bam, some occasional stuff from Caleb, you know, they're pretty good at cutting in general. Like they just don't get that much from there right from at the rim so if when other jump shots are not falling and kind of teams are forcing them out of their game a little bit and if they're a little bit complacent it gets ugly brady just so i uh put you on the spot as well on december the 5th a day after uh jay-z's birthday um I don't know why that is re- relevant, but it just popped up in my head. Uh, are you retaining Max or Gabe this summer if you have to pick one? Just to document it. Oof. Uh, I lean Max right now. And I know it's wild because I, as I everybody... Max, I, by the way, my bad, I forgot to answer. I would lean Max, and I know everybody would be nervous because of the specialist thing, like because they've done it. And then after Duncan Robinson, you're saying to yourself, don't pay, play it. Uh, pay a specialist but I feel like you have to lean in that direction if you're leaning on this core like if you're leaning on we keep saying about timelines and leaning on the Jimmy timeline or the Bam timeline and all this stuff and that even though Gabe and Max are in that same realm you need Max more for this core than you do than you need Gabe like that's kind of where I stand right now so if you have to pick one I think it's Max and I'm interested to see what the heat would think of that. Like what if you, Greg, if you had to put yourself in their shoes right now, where do you think they, they would oh, max they they would want yeah. to keep max that, that that's the vibe that I get. Um, we'll see how that goes, but yeah, that, that I just think that um, another guy we haven't talked about Victor Oladipo too. Like they got to see how he fits in that mix. And um, I don't know. I, I just think that what max brings, they, um, is provided he continues to shoot as well as he has, because this whole Duncan thing has everybody a little scared of that. Uh, I think that they would lean Max. Um, all right, so we're going to close out the episode and go through a few comments. Obviously, this was a disappointing night for the Miami Heat. They do go back home for a three-game homestand, um, and I do expect that they will uh, bounce back. So that's why I'm not freaking out as much, but I understand why others would be highly frustrated. Uh, but let's get to some uh, comments, questions uh, on the live episodes. We like to mix in the audience as much as possible. So for our audio only folks on the podcast feed, we we'll definitely will read these questions out so that you know what we're answering. Uh, but yeah, let's just take a few before we close. This comes from solve. It says make a trade for someone uh, to be the sixth man till Oladipo can get healthy. Um, yeah, I don't know that they're going to trade for a six man type, but they definitely need front court help. And the more we talk about it, y'all, like, would you agree that backup center is probably just as big of a issue as this whole like four next to Bam thing? Or am I, and now am I going too far? I mean, I would agree. I, I would totally agree. I said it before that like 
they can find ways to win without Jimmy or Kyle or Tyler and all these guys. Like, even though it'd be difficult, they could find ways. I just don't see what they do when Bam's out. Like, we saw that happen earlier in the year. Like, they don't have another option. We see the value he provides. And as much as we talk about him in kind of a uh, much more direct scope after a game like this when he doesn't perform at a high level, it's like, then you zoom out and you're like, when you don't have this guy, like, everything falls apart. Like, it really does. So, I'm very high on, like, getting a solid backup big to kind of provide, like, they don't need a lot. That's the thing. Like, they just need a solid 8, 10, maybe 12 minutes, like, in a certain game. So, it's like, they just need somebody to just be solid enough to get them through instead of try to be a neutral. Like, that's the whole goal here, it feels like. Right. They really counted. They were counting on Yurt and Depot, and I just think that they – you know, it's just an unfortunate scenario. Let's get let's get another question up here. Um, make we'll put Alex on the spot on this one. This is from the Real Issues podcast. Um, do you think a trade fixes these problems? Because they don't. Alex, does a trade fix these problems? <laughs> uh, I mean, look, man, you can't expect a trade to quote unquote fix everything. You just want to help out your best players that you're you know, in the win now window for, right? Another thing, you know, just going back to sitting on the fence. They, they're they not sitting on the fence when it comes to franchise direction. They've made it clear and public whenever they've had the chance that they're about winning. It's always been, the you know, the whole thing, right? And so I think um, you got to help those guys out, man. We talked about the other episode, uh, getting Bam some help, getting Jimmy some help. That's kind of what all of this is about, right? Like you got Jimmy as best friend a couple of off seasons ago. Uh, Tyler has gotten better. Bam has gotten better. I just think they're a little bit small in the front court still. And I understand kind of the question when it comes to whether the the backup five thing is a bigger issue. I don't know. I think it's it's definitely an issue. Like they're like minus seven point something when Bam is off the floor and plus two point something when he is. So obviously you got to fix that. But I think some of that has to do with the front court as well. Like Caleb obviously has been good. Highsmith has been on the up and up. So I feel pretty good about him in general as a, rotation wing but i still don't feel good about their four rotation you know heading into the playoffs right and obviously we know that deadman is not going to be some big time playoff contributor so yeah they're both issues and i think it will be uh you know they're all about winning this season in the short term and long term you got to find a way to balance that line right like get guys who can help you now and in the short to long term right it's tough to balance that line it's easier said than done it's not 2k but you know, the best thing for them to do if they're all about winning in the short term is making a trade for that power forward, at the, I think, first and foremost. But it would be nice to be able to address both. I think they might be able to. You know, Andy Ellisberg is really creative with that type of stuff. So if they're really pursuing that, you know, upgrading at, at the four, upgrading at the backup five, like, I think they can make it happen. It would be kind of like the Jay and Iggy trade, but picture it be jay and a center to be named later instead of iggy you know what i mean so they're really fortifying the front court uh split the difference on duncan's salary something like that maybe um fernando lopez says larry nance jr would be dope on this team i agree he'd be dope brady but new orleans ain't trading larry nance jr right he's kind of like an integral bench piece and they're the number two seed in the west last i checked yeah i don't see that team making too many moves to be honest like we we're just talking about it with Ethan on our podcast earlier. We're like talking about how good the Pelicans have been. I'm like, they've been so solid that like, you don't want to mess with what they have right now, especially like you just said, like a solid role player like that. So you're kind of looking at that, the teams in the middle of the pack that want to get out of that middle ground area or the teams in the bottom half that really want to tank for, for the top pick. So it's like, 
there's there's a pretty big grouping of teams, but it's like which player are you looking at to fit it? Because we're you basically like we were just talking about needing two guys. Like you're not really looking unless you're making two separate trades, which I guess you could do, Greg, in, in a like it's at a certain point. But like, aren't you trying to look for two guys in the same trade ideally? Yeah, that's where I was going with what I said, and I don't know, you know, like what team has that magical package to to make that happen. It, it, it's uh, it's not easy. Someone says Hassan Whiteside revenge tour. Please don't do that to me. Um, someone else said, just please say that the Heat suck and end the stream. They're three games, three and a half games, four games at the most out of the lost column. Yeah, the Hawks three lost seed. tonight. The Hawks lost to Oklahoma City tonight. Uh, so just chill out. They'll be, they're going to be okay. I know that y'all don't want to hear that. You want to hear panic, but we are not going down that road here. Uno mas, Manny. And shout out to Manny Chang on the ones and twos. Uh, the Real Issues podcast comes again. Um, I've never heard of this podcast. I have to find out a little bit more about it after this game. Would you rather be a five seed that loses in the second round or tank and get a draft spot? I'll answer this question. I would rather just try to win as many basketball games as possible and see how things go. Um, I do. I never want to lose on purpose. So if I'm getting a high draft spot, meaning a lottery pick, that means that injury sent me in that direction. I'm not doing that intentionally, no matter what. Cool? Cool. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Five on the Floor Live. We will be back uh, tomorrow night for um, actually Miami Heat Beat's going to take over the uh, feed for Hangover Time. So definitely check out uh, Alphonse, Sydney, and the crew. They'll take over the YouTube stream for the uh, Tuesday night game against Detroit. And then we also will have um, a podcast with myself and others. And uh, Brady and Alex covering will be also um, with you for the Thursday and Saturday games as well. Thank you for joining us. Sorry the Heat didn't win, but... Back to Miami they go. Three-game homestand, a victory hopefully tomorrow night. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.